on this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast. We had a very special guest, Mr. Zach Radford, who was responsible for generating well over $40 million in sales for his clients. We dive into consumer behavior, understanding the customer journey. We check out some old school Rolls Royce ads from the 1950s, just on how they kind of inspire more current trends, as well as some poor ad tactics that kind of crash and burn. Also dive into some more uncontrollable events in the near future and kind of current present with the elections going on, COVID, and ad cost as a whole. So if you're into scaling, learn about ads, make sure to tune in because this one is juicy. The cost of the standard vehicle there is about like $3,000. Uh, and in this ad, they're selling their car for $13,995. Absolutely love it. So the only person that would technically be qualified for this is someone who's going to be able to pay that price. So who is this for? This is for an executive, man. Somebody who runs their own business, an entrepreneur, somebody who wants to, to stand out. And what are they selling here? They're selling status, baby. <laughs> you know, there's no there's no other way to, uh, to kind of look at that. Living the dream, being able to pick up your family at leisure, do what you want. Uh, and the next part of it is all about the why. Like, why do we want to buy from you? And the headline simply states, at 60 miles an hour, the loudest noise in the new Rolls Royce comes from its electronic clock. You're listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we dive into what's working, what isn't working, and some badass financial tips. Today, we have a super awesome guest, Mr. Zach Radford, the founder and CEO of ProfitableAds.com, which is a media buying agency with an obsessive focus on human beings and e-commerce brands. They have some badass proprietary media buying methods, such as the Profitable Ads Formula, and he and his team have been able to generate well over $40 million in sales directly for his consumer brands. Now, they dive into the human aspect side of this like no one else. So this is going to be super juicy, y'all. So make sure to tune in and buckle up. But without you know further hype up, Zach, what's good, man? What's up? Thank you for the intro, brother. Happy to be here, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had a good little chat before this. So I was like, man, media buyer to media buyer, this one's going to be juicy. <laughs> we spent most of the time just nerding out on ads, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> right. So go ahead and give everybody a little backstory of yourself, kind of what you're getting into to kind of give everybody some context. Yeah. So uh, essentially, like to date myself a little bit, I ran my first uh, my first media buying experience was uh, back in 2004. I was running Google ads back in the day. Uh, and uh, to some affiliate product, probably like make money or something along those lines. And I, uh, I just got obsessed with the idea of like total strangers giving me money over the internet, to be honest with you. <laughs> and it literally sparked this passion of mine. And uh, I've worked for some of the, well, the largest agency in Canada. That's where I really learned the agency side of the business. Uh, and I was able to uh, parlay that into my first agency, which was white label ads, which we talked about a little bit. And uh, what I realized is that I'm not built for a production-based agency. I'm kind of more of a, a lifestyle agency, and we mostly focus in on the quality of the work, 
Uh, we're not about volume clients. We're, we're really about finding that sweet spot of conversion, uh, partnership and growth, man, for our partners. So that's, that's basically the last, what's that? 20 years in a nutshell. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Going to that white label convo. It's like, oof, it's a stressful volume based model there for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, I just found that it attracted a different type of client because you're dealing with a lot of agencies and a lot of agencies um, can be a little bit high strung. So like I've been, I was in situations where we were getting great results for the clients, but, and I was happy, client was happy, but the agency wasn't. <laughs> so I was, it was, uh, it was confusing and, and learning and dude, I'm all about easy going. So that's kind of my approach to my agency uh, and really focusing and double down on, on the human side of things. So. Oh, for sure. Especially when they're penny pinchers and you already have great, you know, you know, usually 50% of wholesale costs of the Y label and they're expecting, you know, full price stuff, you know, <laughs> definitely. They're like, you know, more production, more production. We need more row ads. And it's like, man, <laughs> you guys are only paying like thousand dollars a month, man. <laughs> yeah, It's all good. Yeah, no, definitely. So I was lucky enough to go through that experience and find what, what I like to do. I've always been a marketing nerd man at heart. So it's, uh, it's definitely nice kind of find your spot you know everyone my wife always says is like you're super lucky to know exactly what you wanted to do I was like I just had to try a bunch of things and, and fail a lot <laughs> but I found it oh yeah and I mean sometimes failures are the best thing to kind of open up another perspective or learn something new so I mean you know if you ain't failing you aren't doing something right <laughs> oh, definitely man and like in the instance for the the white label ad agency, it was extremely successful, but it was I was failing in another way, man. I was failing in my time. I had no time, uh, energy, and I was stressed all the time, right? So it's like uh, it's nice to be focused uh, on something where the clients appreciate the work, and uh, I literally get to be myself and nerd out on marketing all day. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, speaking of nerd, now let's go ahead and dive into this rich ad segment. We got something special for y'all today. We got a Rolls Royce ad from 1959. This is the second ad of this kind on the podcast, but I feel like, shoot, you know, with a lot of marketing, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel sometimes. So these old school ads can just, you know, bring new ideas, perspectives to kind of really capitalize on your you know, current marketing efforts. So go ahead and break down this ad for us and kind of give everybody an idea of, you know, how it is. And just so everybody knows, you can kind of find this screenshot in the show notes of the podcast. Make sure to check it out. But Zach, go ahead and kind of give everybody an idea of, you know, what this is, you know, and what yeah. it happens to you there. Yeah, definitely. So what I find as marketers and as media buyers and agencies, we tend to overcomplicate things like, like you were saying, reinvent the wheel. Uh, and if you look in the marketplace right now, I'm seeing so much of the same ads, very similar creative um, and if you can look back at, at some of the OG stuff, man, it can just breathe new, breathe new life in, into your, uh, into your ad. So, uh, simply put, this ad is a, some, it's a man sitting in his car there. His family is walking towards the car. It looks like it's the middle of the day. So they're definitely targeting, uh, that executive. And anytime I look at an ad, I'm kind of breaking it down in three ways, like who, what what are we actually selling? Who's it for? What are we actually selling? And why do they want to buy from us? And this is the perfect example uh, of that for me. Uh, so this guy sitting in his car is chilling. It's probably Tuesday afternoon. You know, the boss is cutting off work early, picking up his family, doing all of those things. Back in 1959, like you can imagine the 
the cost of the standard vehicle there is about like three thousand uh, dollars and in this ad they're selling their car for 13995 absolutely love it so the only person that would technically be qualified for this is someone who's going to be able to pay that price. So who is this for? This is for an executive, man, somebody who runs their own business, an entrepreneur, somebody who wants to, to stand out. And what are they selling here? They're selling status, baby. <laughs> you know, there's no there's no other way to, uh, to kind of look at that. Living the dream, being able to pick up your family at leisure, do what you want. Uh, and the next part of it is all about the why. Like, why do we want to buy from you? And the headline simply states, at 60 miles an hour, the loudest noise in the new Rolls Royce comes from its electronic clock. Oof. It says so much. Even the one next to it just really speaks to the audience because, I mean, these, you know, shoot, C-level individuals, I mean, they, they all want, always want the best. So, I mean, that next point, what makes Rolls Royce the best car in the world? That little line right there, I feel like, did so much, you know, good. It, I feel like it just really calls out that ideal, you know, avatar that you just kind of, you know, spoke about. Yeah, definitely. 100%, man. 100%. And then underneath that, there's literally one to 13 reasons on why you should buy this car, essentially, of what makes it so great. Now, it's so simple, um, and I think it's overlooked. And, and again, some of the things I absolutely love, I love that the price is, is out. We, we talked about this. You said that you had a client that, um, you know, you guys are having more of a scarcity uh, buildup and supply and demand thing, which is totally awesome. What we've noticed in a lot of our clients' uh, products that we sell, we sell, uh, you know, we sold engagement rings and all different types of stuff. If we display that price, we find that traffic gets a little bit more qualified because if someone's not willing to drop, you know, $13,995 on a car, they're not going to be reaching out. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Yeah, definitely. So this is this is a classic. And I literally, I pull, if you look at any of the ads that I actually create, it's, it's very similar. We use, we use a picture or video that kind of shows the product in use uh, and then we really go into explaining all the benefits and the features with a strong call to action uh, by when we display that price man and it converts pretty well so with y'all's kind of approach going more for the the human methodology or consumer behavior side of things what are kind of the first few things you think about before even creating and like some ad copy more or less yeah so again it comes back to those three main Four answers, and I don't, don't even remember where I picked this up. It's not necessarily originally mine. I, I think most things in marketing aren't. It's kind of like we all kind of borrow and steal from each other a little bit. Uh, but you know, like who we're selling to, I, I want to know this in depthly. So we would create, uh, like most marketing agencies or media buying agencies, really focus in on like they build an avatar, which is absolutely great. When we take it a step further, we want to build an avatar from somebody who is not an ideal client. Who's going to buy this product and try to return it and complain and and, and blame all of their problems in the world on you? <laughs> we don't want that person to buy. Uh, and we really just try to dive deep into these individual psyches by uh, building these profiles. Uh, and then we're able to come up with angles and copy. Uh, and basically, if we can answer those three questions, like who we're actively selling to, what it is we're actually selling. So in this car, we're not selling a car. Uh, in this ad, we're actually selling status. You know what I mean? The best in the world, just as you stated. Uh, and who wants the best in the world? Those individuals. So that's what we're actually selling. And then it comes down to the why. Like, why do they want to buy from you, man? And that conversation, it's like humans for thousands of years uh, have been buying a certain way. If you can answer those three questions on the top, man, it, it, 
that there's all your copy, your creative, and most of everything that you need from a, a, a human psychology standpoint. Now there's obviously uh, more in depth stuff that we can do uh, and that we do do like, so we get into customer journey and all that stuff like that, but that's it in a nutshell, man. And if you can answer those three simple questions, you can, you can start to see uh, some results in your ads. Man, something that stood out the most with what you mentioned is actually creating avatars for the people you don't want. I think that is something a lot of marketers pay attention to because negative feedback travels way farther than positive feedback. So if you can go ahead and identify that out of the gate, you may dodge a couple bullets. <laughs> Definitely. And what we've seen is literally like one copy line being changed, like uh, and refund rates go down and all different types of stuff. So it's definitely interesting to see from that perspective for sure, man. Man, well, this was quite a <laughs> quite a time machine back to the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> a rich ad there. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely love it. And you know, coming on the show, I wanted to think of something that I actually look at on a regular basis for inspiration. So I thought I would share. Hell yeah, man, that's a killer one. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an ad agency that manages seven or even eight figures a year in media and ad spend for your clients, and you're looking to double your profits over the next six to 12 months, then check out ad card. See, the typical agency model is this. You charge 10% of your spend, and you make 10 to 20% margin at the end of the day. So that's really one to 2% of your client's spend that is profit in your business. The easiest way to double that is to really find a way to earn in that one to 2% cash back of the card that is on file of your clients' ad account. And before ad card, what you had to do was invoice all your clients for their ad spend up front, which is really difficult on a cash flow basis and very difficult ask. And then you had to put the card on your own Amex or whatever card of choice to get that level of value back into your business. With AdCard, it's entirely different and streamlined. You simply get your clients on AdCard and make yourself the agency of record and you'll get the cash back as long as you're managing the ad spend. It's a great way to double your profit without doing any additional work. Check it out at FunnelDash.com. Well, that was a rich ad. We love to dive into, you know, what's not working, what's crash and burn, just because, you know, we all love to flex what's going well. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's good to always see, you know, people you look up to in the industry having issues as well. So kind of on the poor ad side, what's not working over there at all for you? So lack of testing would probably be the biggest hurdle that we faced other than like, so because there's a, on the ad side, I find it's fairly volatile right now. Wouldn't you agree? Like I, if you're in any Facebook group, you see somebody every day, are the CPMs messed up? Is this happening? Is this happening? Everybody, everybody's wondering what's going on. Uh, and, and the stuff that we can actually control was the level of testing was probably uh, the thing that was not working for us. We were running like a test or two a week. Now we've got it up to where we're running tests uh, on a regular basis. And what we do is we take a percentage of our client's budget. And now that could be so small and it doesn't necessarily matter what that percentage is. Sometimes we run as small as $40 just to run a bunch of random tests. What that would consist of would be like CBO, five different audiences, five different creative, and just to see what works. And then we'll isolate that the winning creative and then we'll and the winning audience, and then we'll dupe it, run it in as a main campaign, and grow and scale that way. So 
basically what, what's not working is gone are the days of grab a, an ad off of Alibaba and, and drop ship heaven. <laughs> like, like, I think it's, uh, you need to test and you need to be creative. And I believe the consumer is getting smarter and smarter uh, and, and they understand a, a lot of these, these processes. So that's what I see that's not uh, working uh, for us with lack of testing. So what do you think, once you kind of were able to kind of figure out that bottleneck, once you were able to kind of start testing more, did you see a drastic change in performance or was yeah. it you know, kind of a gradual increase or an immediate? How did that kind of pan out? Immediate, like I mean, within, within days. Like mm -hmm. we're, um, we had a bunch of campaigns that were even just going into uh, Labor Day here. We were doing like Labor Day sales and we had all this stuff. Things were not performing the way that they were even a month ago. For some reason, we hadn't changed, but something had changed, whether that was California losing the pixel or whatever. This, <laughs> you know, there's, a thousand, there's a thousand reasons why things were happening. Uh, but we just said, you know what? Uh, we're not going to let it be because of a lack of uh, of effort on our side. So let's get aggressive and let's get testing. And we started doing tests. We saw immediate results. We found so many more winning audiences, winning creatives. We actually have a lineup of winning creatives ready to go in when things stop working. So uh, it's just being prepared, man, and, and getting in front of that. And I think a, a lot of people don't realize what business we're in. I, have you ever seen the movie The The Founder? Yes. And they're like, yeah, you know, I don't think you realize what business you're in. You're, you're not in the hamburger business. You're in the real estate business. Similar to that, you know, we're not necessarily just in the advertising business. We're in the idea business, man. The more ideas we come up with, the better creative we have, the better copy, uh, better life is. And uh, yeah, man, it's just about focusing uh, that energy and always be testing. I literally, that's a mantra that I, that I say like every day, always be testing, always be testing because it's true. The more tests you run, the more chance you have of finding success faster. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I love when testing gets brought up into these to kind of just show how important it is. Because I mean, if you have, you know, even if you have two of the exact same brands selling the exact same product with the same funnel, I mean, if you're both spending 10K a month, but one's testing 100 creative assets a month versus 10, who do you think is going to do better at the end of the day? Obviously, more. Yeah, man, 100%. I absolutely love it. And I think it's underutilized. Uh, now, and there's there's people that do it like next level. I see a lot of people that would be doing like um, scroll stoppers and all, all of these different processes. And we tried, again, everything in my life and my business is simplified, man. We literally just pulled out a little budget <laughs> and we just started testing like very rudimentary and it made a huge difference. Uh, not like we weren't testing, we were just doing it at a much slower pace. So now even on smaller budgets, uh, we can find things that seem to be working. We can isolate that and run it in its own campaign and go from there. Oh, yeah. And I mean, a lot of people think you need heavy budgets to test. But I mean, we've had numerous people where it's like you're mentioning 40, 50 bucks. Others are mentioning 100 bucks a day to where, I mean, you don't need an arm and a leg to kind of really test. So I mean, it's it's good to come up with a plan of attack and kind of be proactive and say, hey, if I'm spending, you know, 10K this month, I'm going to go ahead and allocate, you know, 15% of that just strictly for testing. So it's good to kind of stay proactive and kind of stick to your guns there because that's what moves the needle these days for sure. Definitely. And I think it plays to the strengths of the actual network. If you're running Facebook, definitely. Uh, and there's, there's the, the market size is the size that it is. And spec, like if you're running uh, creatives to, uh, if you ever see like ad fatigue, for example, 
Oh yeah, heavy. There's nothing worse than that. You're running a campaign to that market. Let's say it's it's a million people, and you this isn't a look like audience. Let's just say it's like a standard audience. Uh, it's got a million people. You have something that's working. You're you're on cloud nine. Life is good. Uh, and if you're not running any testing at that point, you should be very scared <laughs> because eventually you're going to run into ad fatigue or something's going to change. Buying patterns, all these things will change. And the next thing you know, uh, your well-performing ad will go from like five, six row ads to three to two to, you know what I mean? You need to be proactive. Oh, for sure. And I mean, if y'all think Facebook's bad for, you know, creative fatigue, Snapchat and TikTok are like a nightmare just because we have to cycle creative out so much faster because those CPMs are so cheap. So, I mean, every platform is different there, but creative yeah. fatigue is such a real thing to kind of really monitor. Definitely. But Snap, I mean, that's quite a good little segment to segue into the more financial side of the podcast. So we love, you know, we have a lot of agencies, media buyer businesses. So, I mean, we've had financial tips on the scaling side, you know, trading points for Bitcoin, you know, starting bootstrap versus, you know, getting venture capital or something along those lines. So, I mean, from a financial tip that you can kind of provide some value to, to our audience, what would you kind of, you know, what kind of tips would you give out there? Uh, so you actually just, you brought up scaling. And I, th I think I can speak to that really well because we've been testing a bunch of things. Uh, as far as like budget management for scaling, <clears throat> what I, I look at scaling in two ways. I look at it vertical and horizontal. And if we are, once we have that winning creative and that formula, it, it's all about giving Facebook what it needs, man, and bringing it to new markets. So if I unpack that a little bit, essentially we would we would allocate 15 to 30%, 30% on the maximum side according to Facebook for, for horizontal scaling. Uh, and so let's say you, we wanted a thousand dollars. The original uh, budget was a hundred dollars a day. You want to spend a thousand dollars a day. You slowly bump that up. We use 15 or 20% and slowly bump that up over time. And then that's, that's one way to scale. Uh, another, another horizontal method would be to duplicate that out uh, at the desired budget. But what, what we do, and I'm not sure how, how most people do it, but we have a, we do a CBO, and then when inside of that CBO, we literally have five of the same ad set, and then whatever seems to be firing better, then we cut and, and slowly monitor that. So that'd be like the horizontal growth mm. uh, that I'd be looking at from a financial perspective, and then also our uh, vertical rather. And if we're going to do a horizontal, different countries. I, I think the U.S. market is great, but I also think there's a lot of other underutilized markets out there. So if I was looking at budget and you have the capability to ship to other countries and like digital products are awesome like any type of apps info products all of that stuff it's a big world out there man <laughs> yeah this is actually leading into a good point so if you've already you know established some sort of authority and dominance say for the u.s and you wanted to yep. break into some other territories or regions how would you approach that to a client perhaps and maybe with some recommendations yeah so uh, essentially like <clears throat> so we just had a client they they have they had a ridiculously huge budget we were doing a trial with them uh we didn't actually end up securing their business because uh they were so focused on the US market we could not get their CPA it, it was a uh it was an iPhone cord uh, essentially long story short it had like these magnets in it and i think it sold for like 19.99 which is really hard to sell yeah. but it was massive we tried everything. We were getting them to like uh, 1.2, 1.2. They wanted a two ROAS. 
We couldn't crack it. We went out into uh, other markets and we ran worldwide um, conversion. I think it was based on 1% lookalikes. And we were able to cut that in half. Mm. Um, the issue was that they were not able to ship effectively to those areas. And if you're selling physical goods, it's it's really hard. And I don't know if you've seen it, uh, Dylan, but when when you buy something on Facebook, they're now like surveying people to see what, like, did you get your item? How did this work? And that'll affect your quality score. Yep. So literally working with them for like, I think it was like two or three weeks, their quality score was like getting, getting terrible. So, which is going to mean that their account might get shut down and cause all these other problems. So um, that's exactly how we did it. We did it just based off of CPA. We're like, look here, you want to get these results. We're not getting them in these markets. Give us a budget to test outside. They said, okay, we did the test uh, and we found the result. The problem was that uh, with physical products, you know, you got to ship them. Now with breaking into those new areas, did you have to come up with different creative assets, different language oh. translations? I'm thinking of, you know, the concept of switching over doesn't sound too bad, but then you think of the actual yeah. execution. I'm like, shoot, you'll, that's quite a nice little change. I keep it. I keep it very simple. I literally took exactly what we had. We ran it. Um, what was working in the U.S. market, we ran it worldwide for English speakers. It was converting like uh, like crazy. I think we got the CPA. I think on like some of the good days, we we're at like two point six on a twenty dollars purchase, man. So like, <laughs> there's there's a ton of market out there. Now, could we have done that uh, perhaps a little bit better? We were still in the testing phase. We never took it to the next level. What I would have done is I would have isolated those winning countries and then learned a little bit more about what's running in there, what what's working, who the competitors are, uh, and then improve. And again, running our testing uh, to them. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, shoot, each one of those regions are going to be completely different, too. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. It, like, I, again, it doesn't have to be complicated. You can just try it to see what works. And I'm not saying go full on with your budget, but take, take $100 run a worldwide campaign for conversion. If you start to see the countries that pop, they it's basically like countries putting their hands up and say, hey, sell to me, please. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, yeah, there's 10 countries that are profitable. Let, let's deal with those countries. Uh, and then you can get down to the granular. Man, and yeah, CPMs are so cheap there too, I would imagine. So, I mean, yeah, yeah you mentioned a $100 budget. So, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it's much to really test a new market there. So, I mean, what what's the... What do you have to lose? You know, I'll make sure to check your production and shipping before anything. But I mean, you don't have much to lose there really so much. No, definitely. I think CPMs are like $2 or $3. And everyone's complaining about CPMs. And it's like, if you could get a digital product to go, to go like, to go and sell really, really well worldwide, like sky's the limit. That's almost like reminds me of uh, some of the stuff that works on GDN, man. If you get something that works on GDN, sky's the limit, man. Oof. Yeah, because I mean, I'm just so used to Canada, the U.S., the U.K. markets where we, I don't see CPMs that cheap these days, it seems like. So, I mean, shoot, you know, it's not just those three spots. There's a ton of people out there that want your product. So, yep, I'll take notes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And it's just it's an opportunity. Right. So uh, and again, it comes down to testing. We wouldn't have figured that out unless we ran the test. We ran the test. We saw the data and. I always say like Facebook is so much smarter than, than uh, myself and, and my team. We, we just know how to feed it the right stuff. <laughs> oh, you got to feed the beef. Yeah. The algorithm is just so much smarter than most media buyers these days too. I mean, it wouldn't, I would even imagine it may be similar to you, but most yep. of my audiences that just kill it with the most scalability, it's just zero targeting or just an audience or 10% look like, or it's, you know, well over 30 million. So, I mean, it's, it's, 
the pixel is pretty freaking solid and the algorithm is way smarter these days so i mean take advantage of it don't try and get too too strategic it may cause more harm than good you know yeah definitely so like we're noticing the same thing broads doing well 10 percent look like doing well um running directly to uh just audiences as well like not even using look like just running for conversion on, on very large audiences have been working well for us uh, i find that uh you'll be paying a premium on those look like audiences as well so like broad is a great one uh you find audiences that convert with your stuff there's another great source man uh and, and save that and i always notice like when especially when you're going into q4 prices always go up but even at the end of quarters, for some reason, like everything goes all goes all wonky and everybody goes crazy. I think Facebook is just increasing the price on us. <laughs> oh yeah, especially right now. I mean, with COVID, the elections, it's about to be a start of a new quarter. I mean, the amount of variables I have them written down over here just to like keep my head leveled, be like, okay, it's not just me struggling. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> just go into any Facebook ad group on on Facebook, man. Like <laughs> everybody's complaining. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. If anybody's saying they're having zero issues right now, they're a liar. Definitely, <laughs> man. Definitely, and I think that's why, like, I, I was kind of alluding to that. But like, everything that we do in our agency, there's so many like uncontrolled things that are out of our reach. But controlling on like the psychology and the ads and the testing, like that's stuff that we can do internally, and we can pull the levers to make things go up and down. Uh, even though it, it has been. Uh, I would say August was was probably a rougher month for us overall. Um, we probably saw about half of our ROAS drop, but we still came out on across all of our accounts, three plus ROAS. And that just came down to us testing a lot more. Now you look at like June and July, we were getting like four or five ROAS and we weren't really testing anything. Like, you know, not the level that we should have been anyways. Uh, so, you know, things change. If you can focus in on your systems and processes and on the human beings that you're selling to, dude, life is easy. True that. Well, man, this this has been super, super solid here. Um, go ahead and give everybody kind of what's planned next. I know you got a badass swipe file, but give everybody an idea of, you know, what you got cooking over there. Um, give a plug into that. Shoot that link there you kind of sent me. Um, give everybody kind of an idea what's next for you. Yeah, so man, we're we're just focusing on finding the right partners for us. We we've noticed that there's a lot of business out there in the marketplace. Uh, we're really just focusing on finding the right partners uh, that are thinking long term and in growth. Anybody who's in e-commerce, uh, apps, info products, anybody who sells direct to com uh, to customer, that's kind of who we're really looking at. Uh, we're building out our team right now, which looks really really good, and uh, we built a tool. And, and I already I already mentioned this, but like we're in the idea business and I, I wanted to translate to my team how I come up with ideas. And, and I think I was telling you, like I go on walks, I get ideas. I'm in the shower, I get ideas. How do you teach somebody that? Uh, so we started a, an internal swipe file. And, and essentially what that is, is just like an idea generation machine. Uh, and we've seen lift across all of our accounts and all of our testing. And you can check it out at swipefile.profitableads.com. There's no charge to it. Uh, we basically compiled almost every industry on the planet who's running Facebook ads. Uh, and at a snapshot, you can get more ideas, see what's happening in those industries, uh, seeing uh, what's happening on Google Trends, their landing pages, all of that great stuff. Uh, we use that internally and we saw a great result. Our goal is just to add as much value to our marketplace as possible. We love our business. We love our, our market. And uh, this is our way of giving back.
Man, Zach, killer, 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 killer. Well, man, thanks for jumping on. It has been an absolute pleasure. Hey, you too, Dylan. Thanks for having me, man. for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ed podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoored.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, go ahead and leave a review and a comment, share with a friend. If you do, take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, zach at funneldash.com, show me you left a review, and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ed book. To learn more about the book, go to richadpoored.com to leave a review, go to richadpored.com slash review. Thanks again.